0: Chapter Seventeen of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen, Help of Jehovah, murmured a state prisoner, laden with heavy chains. Five days later, smiling bitterly as, with forty companions in misfortune, he was led through the gate of victory in Tanis toward the east, the mines in the Sinai Peninsula where more convict labor was needed were the goal of these unfortunate men the prisoner's smile lingered a short time then drawing up his muscular frame his bearded lips murmured strong and steadfast and as if he desired to transmit the support he had himself found he whispered to the youth marching at his side courage ephraim courage don't gaze down at the dust but upward whatever may come silence in the ranks shouted one of the armed libyan guards who accompanied the convicts to the older prisoner raising his whip with a significant gesture the man thus threatened was joshua his companion in suffering ephraim who had been sentenced to share his fate what this was every child in egypt knew for may i be sent to the mines was one of the most terrible oaths of the common people and no prisoner's lot was half so hard as that of the convicted state criminals. A series of the most terrible humiliations and tortures awaited them. The vigor of the robust was broken by unmitigated toil. The exhausted were forced to execute tasks so far beyond their strength that they soon found the eternal rest for which their tortured souls longed. To be sent to the mines meant to be doomed to a slow, torturing death yet life is so dear to men that it was considered a milder punishment to be dragged to forced labor in the mines than to be delivered up to the executioner joshua's encouraging words had little effect upon ephraim but when a few minutes later a chariot shaded by an umbrella passed the prisoners a chariot in which a slender woman of aristocratic bearing stood beside a matron behind the driver he turned with a hasty movement and gazed after the equipage with sparkling eyes till it vanished in the dust of the road the younger woman had been closely veiled but ephraim thought he recognized her for whose sake he had gone to his ruin and whose lightest sign he would still have obeyed and he was right the lady in the chariot was kasana the daughter of hornecht captain of the archers and the matron was her nurse at a little temple by the roadside where in the midst of a grove of nile acacias a well was maintained for travellers she bade the matron wait for her and springing lightly from the chariot which had left the prisoner some distance behind she began to pace up and down with drooping head in the shadow of the trees until the whirling cloud of dust announced the approach of the convicts taking from her robe the gold ring she had ready for this purpose she went to the man who was riding at its head on an ass and who led the mournful procession while she was talking with him and pointing to joshua the guard cast a sly glance at the rings which had been slipped into his hand and seeing a welcome yellow glitter when his modesty had expected only silver his features instantly assumed an expression of obliging good-will true his face darkened at kasana's request but another promise from the young widow brightened it again and he now turned eagerly to his subordinates exclaiming to the well with the moles men let them drink they must be fresh and healthy under the ground then riding up to the prisoners he shouted to joshua you once commanded many soldiers and look more stiff-necked now than beseems you and me watch the others guards i have a word or two to say to this man alone he clapped his hands as if he were driving hens out of a garden and while the prisoners took pails and with the guards enjoyed the refreshing drink their leader drew joshua and ephraim away from the road they could not be separated on account of the chain which bound their ankles together the little temple soon hid them from the eyes of the others and the warder sat down on a step some distance off first showing the two hebrews with a gesture whose meaning was easily understood the heavy spear he carried in his hand, and the hounds which lay at his feet. He kept his eyes open too, during the conversation that followed. They could say whatever they chose. He knew the duties of his office, and though, for the sake of good money, he could wink at a farewell for twenty years, though there had been many attempts to escape, not one of his moles, a name he was fond of giving to the future miners, had succeeded in eluding his watchfulness yonder fair lady doubtless loved the stately man who he had been told was formerly a chief in the army but he had already numbered among his moles personages even more distinguished and if a veiled woman managed to slip files or gold into the prisoner's hands he would not object for that very evening the persons of both would be thoroughly searched even the youth's black locks which would not have remained unshorn had not everything been in confusion prior to the departure of the convicts which took place just before the march of pharaoh's army the watcher could not hear the whispered words exchanged between the degraded chief and the lady but her humble manner and bearing led him to suppose that it was she who had brought the proud warrior to his ruin ah these women and the fettered youth the looks he fixed upon the slender figure were ardent enough to scorch her veil but patience mighty father amon his moles were going to a school where people learned modesty now the lady had removed her veil she was a beautiful woman it must be hard to part from such a sweetheart and now she was weeping the rude warder's heart grew as soft as his office permitted but he would fain have raised his scourge against the older prisoner for was it not a shame to have such a sweetheart and stand there like a stone at first the wretch did not even hold out his hand to the woman who evidently loved him while he the watcher would gladly have witnessed both a kiss and an embrace or was this beauty the prisoner's wife who had betrayed him no no how kindly he was now gazing at her that was the manner of a father speaking to his child but his mole was probably too young to have such a daughter a mystery but he felt no anxiety concerning its solution. During the march, he had the power to make the most reserved convict an open book. Yet not only the rude jailer, but anyone who have marveled what had brought this beautiful, aristocratic woman, in the gray light of dawn, out on the highway to meet the hapless man, loaded with chains. In sooth, nothing would have induced Kasana to take this step, save the torturing dread of being scorned and execrated, as a base traitress by the man whom she loved a terrible destiny awaited him and her vivid imagination had shown her joshua in the mines languishing disheartened drooping dying always with a curse upon her on his lips on the evening of the day ephraim had been brought to the house shivering with the chill caused by a burning fever and half stifled with the dust of the road her father had told her that in the youthful hebrew They possessed a hostage to compel Hosea to return to Tanis and submit to the wishes of the prophet Bai, with whom she knew her father was in league in a secret conspiracy. He also confided to her that not only great distinction and high offices, but a marriage with herself had been arranged to bind Hosea to the Egyptians and to a cause for which the chief of the archers expected the greatest blessings for himself, his house, and his whole country these tidings had filled her heart with joyous hope of a long-desired happiness and she confessed it to the prisoner with drooping head amid floods of tears by the little wayside temple for he was now forever lost to her and though he did not return the love she had lavished on him from his childhood he must not hate and condemn her without having heard her story joshua listened willingly and assured her that nothing would lighten his heart more than to have her clear herself from the charge of having consigned him and the youth at his side to their most terrible fate kasana sobbed aloud and was forced to struggle hard for composure ere she succeeded in telling her tale with some degree of calmness shortly after hosea's departure the chief priest died and on the same day Bai, the second prophet became his successor many changes now took place and the most powerful man in the kingdom filled pharaoh with hatred of the hebrews and their leader mesu whom he and the queen had hitherto protected and feared he had even persuaded the monarch to pursue the fugitives and an army had been instantly summoned to compel their return kasana had feared that hosea could not be induced to fight against the men of his own blood and that he must feel incensed at being sent to make treaties which the egyptians began to violate even before they knew whether their offers had been accepted when he returned as he knew only too well pharaoh had had him watched like a prisoner and would not suffer him to leave his presence until he had sworn to again lead his troops and be a faithful servant to the king by the new chief priest however had not forgotten that hosea had saved his life and showed himself well disposed and grateful to him she also knew that he hoped to involve him in a secret enterprise with which her father too was associated it was by who had prevailed upon pharaoh if hosea would renew his oath of fealty to absolve him from fighting against his own race put him in command of the foreign mercenaries and raise him to the rank of friend of the king all these events of course were familiar to him for the new chief priest had himself set before him the tempting dishes which with such strong manly defiance he had thrust aside. Her father had also sided with him, and for the first time ceased to reproach him with his origin. But on the third day after Hosea's return, Hornecht had gone to talk with him, and since then everything had changed for the worse. He must be best aware what had caused the man of whom, she, his daughter, must think no evil, to be changed from a friend to a mortal foe. She had looked inquiringly at him as she spoke, and he did not refuse to answer. Hornecht had told him that he would be a welcome son-in-law. And you? asked Kasana, gazing anxiously into his face. I, replied the prisoner, was forced to say that though you had been dear and precious to me from your childhood, many causes forbade me to unite a woman's fate to mine. Kasana's eyes flashed, and she exclaimed, because you love another, a woman of your own people, the one who sent Ephraim to you. But Joshua shook his head and answered pleasantly, You are wrong, Kasana. She of whom you speak is the wife of another. Then, cried the young widow with fresh animation, gazing at him with loving entreaty, why are you compelled to rebuff my father so harshly? That was far from my intention, dear child, he replied warmly, laying his hand on her head i thought of you with all the tenderness of which my nature is capable if i could not fulfil his wish it was because grave necessity forbids me to yearn for the peaceful happiness by my own hearthstone for which others strive had they given me my liberty my life would have been one of restlessness and conflict yet how many bear sword and shield replied kasana and still on their return rejoice in the love of their wives and the dear ones sheltered beneath their roof true true he answered gravely but special duties unknown to the egyptians summon me i am a son of my people and you intend to serve them asked kasana oh i understand you yet why then did you return to tanis why did you put yourself into pharaoh's power because a sacred oath compelled me poor child he answered kindly an oath she cried which places death and imprisonment between you and those whom you love and still desire to serve oh would that you had never returned to this abode of injustice treachery and ingratitude to how many hearts will this vow bring grief and tears but what do you men care for the suffering you inflict on others you have spoiled all the pleasure of life for my hapless self and among your own people dwells a noble father whose only son you are How often I have seen the dear old man, the stately figure with sparkling eyes and snow-white hair. So would you look when you too had reached a ripe old age, as I said to myself, when I met him at the harbour, or in the forecourt of the palace, directing the shepherds who were driving the cattle and fleecy sheep to the tax-receiver's table, and now his son's obstinacy must embitter every day of his old age.' "'Now,' replied Joshua, he has a son who is going laden with chains to endure a life of misery but who can hold his head higher than those who betrayed him they and pharaoh at their head have forgotten that he has shed his heart's blood for them on many a battlefield and kept faith with the king at every peril his viceroy and chief whose life i saved and many who formerly called me friend have abandoned and hurled me and this guiltless boy into wretchedness, but those who have done this woman, who have committed this crime, may they all... Don't curse them, interrupted Kasana with glowing cheeks. But Joshua, unheeding her entreaty, exclaimed, Should I be a man if I forgot vengeance? The young widow clung anxiously to his arm, gasping in beseeching accents. How could you forgive him, only you must not curse him for my father became your foe through love for me you know his hot blood which so easily carries him to extremes despite his years he concealed from me what he regarded as an insult for he saw many woo me and i am his greatest treasure pharaoh can pardon rebels more easily than my father can forgive the man who disdained his jewel he behaved like one possessed when he returned every word he uttered was an invective he could not endure to stay home and rage just as furiously elsewhere but no doubt he would have calmed himself at last as he so often did before had not someone who desired to pour oil on the flames met him in the forecourt of the palace i learned this from bais wife for she too repents what she did to injure you her husband used every effort to save you she who is as brave as any man "'was ready to aid him and open the door of your prison, "'for she has not forgotten that you saved her husband's life in Libya. "'Ephraim's chains were to fall with yours, "'and everything was ready to aid your flight.' "'I know,' Hosea interrupted gloomily, "'and I will thank the god of my fathers if those were wrong, "'from whom I heard that you are to blame, Kasana, "'for having our dungeon door locked more firmly. "'Should I be here if that were so?' cried the beautiful grieving woman with impassioned eagerness true resentment did stir within me as it does in every woman whose lover scorns her but the misfortune that befell you speedily transformed resentment into compassion and fanned the old flames anew so surely as i hope for a mild judgment before the tribunal of the dead i am innocent and have not ceased to hope for your liberation not until yesterday evening when all was too late did i learn that bai's proposal had been futile the chief priest can do much but he will not oppose the man who made himself my father's ally you mean prince siptah pharaoh's nephew cried joshua in excited tones they intimated to me the scheme they were weaving in his interest they wished to put me in the place of the syrian arsu the commander of the mercenaries if i would consent to let them have their way with my people and desert those of my own blood but i would rather die twenty deaths than sully myself with such treachery our sioux is better suited to carry out their dark plans but he will finally betray them all so far as i am concerned the prince has good reason to hate me kasana laid her hand upon his lips pointed anxiously to ephraim and the guide and said gently spare my father the prince what rouses enmity the profligate seeks to lure you into his snare and has learned that you favour me the warrior broke in she bent her head with a gesture of assent and added blushing that is why Arsu, whom he has won over to his cause watches you so strictly and the syrian will keep his eyes sufficiently wide open cried joshua now let us talk no more of this i believe you and thank you warmly for following us hapless mortals how fondly i used to think while serving in the field of the pretty child whom i saw blooming into maidenhood and you will think of her still with neither wrath nor rancour gladly most gladly the young widow with passionate emotion seized the prisoner's hand to raise it to her lips but he withdrew it and gazing at him with tears in her eyes she said mournfully you deny me the favour a benefactor does not refuse even to a beggar then suddenly drawing herself up to her full height she exclaimed so loudly that the warder started and glanced at the sun but i tell you the time will come when you will sue for the favour of kissing this hand in gratitude for when the messenger arrives bringing to you and to this youth the liberty for which you have longed it will be kasana to whom you owe it Roused by the fervour of the wish that animated her her beautiful face glowed with a crimson flush joshua seized her right hand exclaiming ah if you could attain what your loyal soul desires how could i dissuade you from mitigating the great misfortune which overtook this youth in your house yet as an honest man i must tell you that i shall never return to the service of the egyptians for come what may i shall in future cleave body and soul to those you persecute and despise to whom belong the mother who bore me kasana's graceful head drooped but directly after she raised it again saying no other man is so noble so truthful that i have known from my childhood if i can find no one among my own nation whom i can honour i will remember you whose every thought is true and lofty whose nature is faultless but if poor kasana succeeds in liberating you do not scorn her if you find her worse than when you left her for however she may humiliate herself, whatever shame may come upon her. "'What do you intend?' Hosea anxiously interrupted, but she had no time to answer, for the captain of the guard had risen, and clapping his hands shouted, "'Forward, you moles!' and, "'Step briskly!' The warrior's stout heart was overwhelmed with tender sadness, and obeying a hasty impulse, he kissed the beautiful unhappy woman on the brow and hair whispering leave me in my misery if our freedom will cost you your humiliation we shall probably never meet again for whatever may happen my life will henceforth be nothing but battle and sacrifice darkness will shroud us in deeper and deeper gloom but however black the night may be One star will still shine for this boy and for me, the remembrance of you, my faithful, beloved child. He pointed to Ephraim as he spoke, and the youth, as if out of his senses, pressed his lips on the hand and arm of the sobbing woman. Forward, shouted the leader again, and with a grateful smile, helped the generous lady into the chariot, marveling at the happy, radiant gaze with which her tearful eyes followed the convicts the horses started fresh shouts arose blows from the whips fell on bare shoulders now and then a cry of pain rang on the morning air and the train of prisoners again moved eastward the chain on the ankles of the companions in suffering stirred the dust which shrouded the little band like the grief hate and fear darkening the soul of each chapter seventeen